You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, the one thing that seems most likely to emerge from this pandemic is that it's going to unleash a wave of creative destruction that can best be described as the dismantling of long-standing practices in order to make way for innovation, which is a good thing. Creative destruction was first coined as a term by Austrian economist Joseph Schumpeter in the 1940s. What does this mean for your investment strategy? To talk about this, I'm joined by Chris Portgitter, who's Managing Director for Old Mutual Wealth Private Client Securities. Chris, good evening. What does the history of pandemics reveal about this process of creative destruction? Good evening, Michael, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, 2019, 2020, going into 2020, obviously we're feeling as though the world has never faced a situation like this, but it's, uh, it is actually instructive to look back at the history at, uh, at similar kind of crises events. So we don't have to talk about the two world wars, which brought with them epidemics, you know, I think about the flu out of the First World War and the travesties out of the Second World War. Going back to even 50 years, the 1969, it's actually quite uh, remarkable how similar conditions in the world were. So we had uh, superpowers at war with one another, in a, you know, involved in a space race, uh, technology technology race similar to what we're seeing between the US and China at the moment. We had, uh, you know, the uh, political uh, quiet of Watergate playing out in, in the US. We had the US involved in a war uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the East, which had no business. We had uh, social unrest and upheaval back in the US. We had uh, uh, also a flu epidemic, very interesting, in Hong Kong, which was back then the factory of the world, which uh, by some reckoning took anywhere between one and four million lives. Um, Out of all that mess, we came away with putting a man on the moon and with computer technologies, uh, you know, the likes of Gates and, uh, and Jobs in the early 70s created the start of, of what would become you know, the modern uh, modern technologies that we rely on, uh, you know, to do our work. I think so, those are great, great examples. Chris, wait right there. We're going to come back to you after the news break uh, to talk about which sectors you think are really primed to benefit from this process of uh, creative destruction that's been unleashed by the pandemic. The always effervescent Anne Williams up next with the news. This is Classic Business with Michael Avery on Classic 1027 in Johannesburg and Fine Music Radio in Cape Town. Welcome back uh, to the Wealth Feature. We're talking to Chris Potgetter, MD of Old Mutual Wealth Private Client Securities. And Chris, uh, we're talking about the wave of innovation that is going to be unleashed uh, through this particular crisis. Which are the most promising sectors that you see in terms of uh, their uh, readiness for that kind of creative destruction that's going to unleash innovation and new technologies that are going to be the winners of the future? Well, and Michael, how wonderful is the news clip that you've just uh, played? Because uh, Jennifer Dudner won the Nobel uh, Prize for innovation in a technology which is set to change uh, healthcare and uh, food production, certainly, and many other industries. CRISPR Cas9, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um, so that's uh, certainly one innovation which we've only started in terms of application. Sure, there's a lot of teething problems and there's a lot of uh, things to work out in terms of the accuracy of gene editing. 
but effectively, that is one technology that we've identified as not just relevant to healthcare. And just by the way, why is healthcare important? Well, by 2050, one in five people in the world will be aged 65 and older. And the statistics show that the cost of healthcare at 65 doubles. You know, our imperative is there. But talking about 2050, which may sound a long way off, but effectively it's around the corner as we know our town flies and uh, the investment opportunities will be in the run-up to that uh, to that time period uh, over the next decades. By 2050, we will have to produce 50% more calories than we do currently. And that is in a world which is facing uh, depleted uh, arable land, depleted water resources, uh, a climate change of a magnitude uh, not dealt with before, uh, on the one hand, and then this massive demand of the emerging uh, middle class in both developed and, and developing nations, and coupled to that, also a very a, a changing appetite and way of consuming from the new millennials, which is uh, fast becoming the largest uh, consumer segment of the market. So, healthcare, food production would be two. Uh, sectors that uh, is not typically identified with disruption in technology, but with, which we could see massive uh, opportunity in terms of applying the technologies like mm. CRISPR, technologies like big data, and so forth. I also think, Michael, if you look at what has just happened, um, and some will say it's a, it's a little bit too late, uh, but it's never too late, actually, in my opinion, is the spectrum auction. Yep. Um, that you know, connectivity and, and uh, the ability to actually upload and download data and share data freely, not just between people, but between people and devices and between devices themselves through technologies like 5G is the obvious other uh, area of, of investment and of opportunity that we see into the world. Now, these have got massive implications for us as investors um, and opportunities as well, but it also has implications for, you know, what we teach our children and what we, yeah. you know, what their futures look like. Absolutely. So, yeah, we, Absolutely. Are very excited. we are very excited about the opportunities for the future, it, notwithstanding the crisis we're in at the moment. It's almost as if you knew my next guest is Grant Bodley, the chief executive of Die Data. And we're talking about digital skills for the future because not only is this uh, relevant in terms of the skills that we want to be uh, teaching our children, uh, but also in terms of building an investment portfolio that wants to be future fit. If you're building one for your children, you want to be looking at uh, companies that are leading in these particular fields and uh, also be keeping an eye on those companies that refuse to recognize and adapt to these new innovations because they're the ones that are going to be the the, the Kodaks um, of of the future. Maybe Kodaks are not 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 the best example because we saw them come storming back when it was announced they uh, they were they, they were producing uh, drugs for some of these vaccines for COVID nineteen. But I mean the, the the general idea is there that it, it just didn't see the digital camera coming on the horizon. What's your last uh, comment for investors to be mindful of if you're building portfolios now and uh, you're facing these waves of Joseph Schumpeter's creative destruction? How do you approach uh, building a portfolio in an environment like this? Look, I, I personally think people uh, my investors might think that it is a risky proposition to invest in technologies that are still unproven or at least not commercialized or scaled 
to an extent where they deliver a, a return. But there are ways in which to diversify a portfolio by utilizing, you know, holding companies that will effectively give you that level of diversification that you require or by using, um, you know, exchange-traded funds to give you sector exposure. So if you like a theme, for example, like biotechnology, you don't know which company to bet on, well, there are a number of uh, exchange-traded funds that will give you diversified opportunity. So I, I think, you know, seeking some professional help here is important, but it's not necessary to bet the house yeah. on a particular company or a particular view in order to benefit. Um, I think what is most important is to have the right time horizon. So this is not a get-rich-quick um, you know, uh, kind of uh, approach. You have to have an approach of seven years plus, and uh, yeah, no, for the rest, save like a pessimist and invest like an optimist. Chris Portgitter, Managing Director of Old Mutual Private Client Securities. Uh, save uh, like a pessimist and invest like an optimist.